Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Jason Mraz's new album begins and ends with the same phrase, look for the good. Those four words are not just a lyric or the title of his seventh studio album, but also an all-encompassing world philosophy for the musician who believes that in dark and challenging times, we should search for something positive. Jason, I was listening to some of your live recordings, and it's wild to me that you can hear people yell, I love you, Jason, 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 Jason. And I'm like, what does that possibly feel like? But then I have to flip it, Jason, with uh, the first time that my family as a whole became Jason Mraz fans. And that was in 2009 when you sang Outdoors with Elmo on Sesame Street. Uh So Uh which is the oddest, most out-of-body experience for you? These crazy people yelling that they love you or singing with Elmo? They are equally astonishing. (laughs) They... The Elmo thing, because you're, to me, I recently did an episode of Fraggle Rock, which is similar family. Yeah, I love um, that show. Yep. I've done a number of performances with puppeteers and Muppeteers specifically. And uh, I feel like that brand of creativity is so honored and so revered that anytime I have a chance to work with them, I feel like it raises the bar for me. And who I am and where my art can go. So it's always a really high honor. Mm-hmm. But the same thing when somebody and when anybody just shows up at the show, I, I tear up sometimes just when I walk out on stage and say, Oh my gosh, two, look at these 2000 people came and trust in me to be their entertainment or take them on some kind of transformational journey over the next two hours. That, again, is a high honor because they're giving me their greatest wealth, their greatest resource, which is their time and attention. Mm -hmm. And for anyone to give me their time and attention, whether it's for three minutes for a song or for an entire two or three hour concert period or just tuning into Elmo or being Elmo and trusting in me to do a harmony with you, all of those things Mm -hmm. are such high honors that I... That, that command respect, that make me a better person, that, that make me rise up to whatever occasion that is. So I love it. It's a huge honor. You can't, I couldn't do my art without there being some version of listening. Right. So the listener and or the collaborator, if it's Elmo, or the camera is the listener, I guess, in that case, um, plays such a big role in helping that art get created or giving that art some purpose. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm just in my room singing to my cat, which (laughs) is fine, because music itself and that that physical, not roller coaster, but that physical act of singing is awesome. I, I lose myself, I find myself, I vibrate and breathe consciously. It's all a bunch of crazy craziness, the singing part. But with, if there's no listener, if there's nobody watching, um, then it's only half the fun. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, all of it matters. And I'm so grateful to have listeners. Mm-hmm. It really adds to the, the whimsy. Right. And what a great thing to have that, that attitude of gratitude. You know, as we walk through life, it makes everything better, mm. doesn't it? Absolutely. 
I understand that you have been you've been hunkering down at the Maranch. You have an avocado farm. Is mm-hmm. that yeah? Is that where you're at? It is. Has this quarantine time been good for your spirit to kind of back away from all of that limelight, or have you missed it? What's where are you in your headspace right now? Coincidentally, a couple of years ago, I thought I was going to take 2020 off because I'd been so busy for the last couple of years. And it'd been a very long time since I'd taken a real a retreat. Mm-hmm. And usually in a time of retreat, it's just so that I can finally get to some boxes and some things that are piling up around the house. I can organize a studio. I can organize all my thoughts. So I was trying to give myself some time this year to do that. But last year I made an, a record that I was so proud of. I decided I was still going to put that out in 2020. So I was already trying to figure out how can I put a record out and promote it and eventually tour this fall, but also stay home as much as I can. <laughs> and so wow. this actually was a, uh, you know, if I look for the good in this, it's that it's, it, it was, uh, I don't even like to say these words. I wanted to stay home. I wanted a reason to stay home yeah. um, because I even myself couldn't convince me to stay home and, until something else got in the way and told me to stay home. I think there are a whole bunch of people who feel like you feel right now. Like I just, I needed permission. We got permission, didn't we? <laughs> I needed permission. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I love it. I'm finally getting to some of those dusty cobweb corners of my house improve my communication and create lots of new things. So Mm -hmm. I feel okay about it. In in many ways, I feel guilty. I feel guilty that uh, I'm just home creating and renewing, regenerating. But I've wanted this for a long time. And I feel like a lot of households have wanted this for a long time. And some version of slowing down, consuming less, spending gas, flying less planes, and homesteading a bit, starting a garden, what can we do with less? Mm-hmm. I think that's been on my mind for a long time, uh, certainly in the conversation of climate change. Like, how do we as humans consume less and slow down? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, my, the microbiology of viruses, that'll slow us down. <laughs> that'll take care of it. <sighs> yeah. I feel like you you said you kind of feel guilty for moving more slowly or uh, um, I but I look at that as this wonderful time. I mean, so your new album is called Look for the Good. Mm-hmm. And when you slow down enough to think and to feel and to create like this, then you're able to put something in the world that means so much to so many people. I mean, I'm constantly running around with, uh, you know, have it all playing in my head. And that's like a, a small prayer I say for my daughter when I'm singing it in my head, you know, and that's the sort of thing that you give to people, I think, as an artist, when you are true to what you really need and your basic needs. So, mm-hmm. so thanks for slowing down. Oh, uh, my pleasure. Look for the Good is amazing, and the timing of it is exactly what we all need right now, which is so bizarre that you didn't even plan it for this timing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, almost every song I write is through the same lens or the same filter as Look for the Good. Like, mm-hmm. what in these words or what in this situation, how can I find the good and breed life into it in, through this song? 
and have it all as a good example. Positivity in, in a time of change. I want you to have it all and I want hopefully the new direction you're taking is filled with success and joy. Um, look for the good, same thing. We're living in crazy times and I want you to look for the good and see the joy in your life and know that know that you're not alone and you're not alone in your suffering and you have the 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 strength to shine on others so that you can give them help them feel not so alone and etc. So always looking for the good in everything I do and create because I feel in life there will always be suffering, there will always be darkness. At least that so far that's what I've seen. And so there there needs to be music to to in a way cast the darkness aside uh, and help our help our attention, help our beliefs shift back to something more grateful and more positive, so that we can sustain and have enough energy to get up another day and give it a shot all over again. Mm-hmm. So that's always my effort in songwriting. And it just so happens that the darkness seems a little more main stage right now because of the pandemic that we're, that we're living through. Mm-hmm. But regardless of the pandemic, I think look for the good would, would have felt good for whatever situation was coming up because it's just a little instructional song that reminds us, oh, yeah, don't forget to look for the good. And right. This is something I learned from Mr. Rogers, who is the king of kindness. Oh, my hero. He told a child uh, in an interview where the child says, what do I do when I see bad stuff on the news? And Mr. Rogers says, look for the heroes, mm-hmm. because in a bad story on the news, there's going to be good people in that story trying to figure out what's going on and take care of others. Mm-hmm. So... That was kind of the seed for the whole song was let's not forget that our darkest hour, we can still look for the good. Mm-hmm. Even when we're laying something to rest, we memorialize that thing or that person and we, we talk about the good things. So we're inherently good. I think we need that. So I think we need music too to cheer us on. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to do. Yeah. Well, you know, Mr. Rogers' mom originally said that to him when Fred was a little boy. And I'm wondering, you know, you, your message of optimism and hope has gone through all of your, your whole collection. And I'm wondering who or what created that outlook in you originally? Yeah, probably my first mentor, which was Mr. Rogers, you know, he mm-hmm. was my television friend. And he spoke in the same way my grandmother did. And my grandmother, both my grandmothers were very much about politeness and kindness. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Say please. Say thank you. You know, be conscious of who you're communicating with. Then that goes all the way into the present day where, like I said at the beginning of this call, the the audience, a listener is giving me their time. I need to respect that time. And what can I do or say that is worthy of their time? Mm -hmm. So I lean back on my Mr. Rogers, my grandparents, and think, would I sing this to my grandma? You know, would Mr. Rogers be proud of this song? So I think it started all the way back there as a little kid. 
I'd like to talk in a second about the Jason Mraz Foundation, but first I want to um, <laughs> tell you some of the comments and maybe you can answer some of the questions we have from people. This was more of a comment. Linda Clary said, oh, I heard him in, on Austin City Lights and the next day everyone went to Best Buy. So <laughs> I'm guessing that must have been before before people could buy it online. I don't know. Yeah, I was on that program, I believe, back in 2003. Mm-hmm. So that would have yeah, cause people to go get CDs right after that. Yep. Yeah, and but even, I mean, 2003, I was still me. I was still trying to write the songs I'm writing today. I just, you know, I was in my early 20s, and I had a different, uh, a different motivation. So a little more ego, a little more uh, <laughs> trying to get the girl showing up in my songs, whereas those motivations I've shifted a little bit to today. But... So grateful that people heard it back then because it got me to where I am for mm-hmm. sure. Sarah Tashin wants to know what's the last picture you took on your phone? Oh, probably my cat. <laughs> I have I think if I type in cat in the search menu, that's the the number one photo that comes up in my phone. Yeah, I'm actually scanning my phone to just confirm and it's a cat and my neighbor's dog. Oh uh, which is a Burmese mountain doodle. Oh, so this fun. massive mountain doodle next to my little orange tabby. Aww. That's the last picture I took on my phone. Love the wildlife, and I love our fur friends. So Andrea Tice wants to know, do you ever get any of your own songs stuck in your head? Uh, all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Because I'm always working on new songs. So those new ideas, if they get stuck in my head, I know that's a good thing. So I'm always hoping that happens. Andrea Coombs says, what's your takeaway from COVID? What's something you really want to incorporate permanently in your life? I've definitely transformed my home and my studio yet again to serve my creativity and my communication through that medium, such as um, broadcasting. So I'd like to continue that. I've dabbled in that through the years, but never have gotten into live streaming. Never was my thing to just perform by myself for a camera. But I'm starting to understand the value in it and starting slowly to feed the the community on the other side. So Mm -hmm. I want to continue to develop that. And tell us where people can find that. At the moment, I'm I'm streaming live on YouTube. It's been it's been Wednesdays at 10 a.m., but I'm going to move it to Thursdays at 7 or 8 p.m. Either way, if you just follow me on my socials, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or JasonMraz.com. Uh, we'll keep all the announcements going for where I'll be showing up on the internet. Awesome. And we'll have that information at the end of the program for everyone. So please tell us about the Jason Mraz Foundation. Is this a compilation of a lot of things on your heart or or how did that come to be? And, and what it, what do you do through that foundation? It is a lot of things. And I started it back in 2011 when I realized I was being asked to help far and wide. And I want to help far and wide. Mm-hmm. I started a foundation to kind of help me organize that. And I had many, many different pillars of service, everything from environmental preservation to assistance and recovery to human rights efforts. And about three years ago, I decided to refocus and just bring everything down to basically one stream. And that is to serve inclusive arts education and the advancement of equality. And I feel like that's the path I came up through. I love the environment and I wanted my foundation to help the environment, but it is such a huge, huge task that it was taking a lot of our resources when 
focusing on arts education and the advancement of equality, I can go directly into classrooms. I can go directly into neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And we can still have um, a love of Mother Earth as a guide for our, pro for our projects, um, but we can go directly into the classroom and, and, and cause change, which I love. So the foundation, we basically help create programs and or fund programs that exist that are using art, whether it's dance, visual arts, uh, creative writing, songwriting, there's a variety of arts out there, um, and programs that are putting an emphasis on inclusion, um, mm -hmm. which would be a lot of programs with special needs. So instead of just having a special needs class off to the side, making sure that those kids are paired up in a one-to-one -one uh, ratio with typically abled kids. Mm -hmm. And that really changes the, the learning for everybody, because in addition to the learning of the art, you're also learning acceptance, compassion, and empathy by collaborating with your peers who are different from you. And we, we find out that everybody's different from us. And through that, we get to learn and grow and, and just, I think, become better people. Mm -hmm. And when we do that also in the fringe communities and the marginalized communities, I feel like it really does help advance equality through this acceptance, compassion, and empathy. So uh, that's what we've been up to for the last three years is sending our dollars far and wide to programs like that. And back in February, right before this pandemic hit, we did our first live performance where we, we tapped a bunch of the programs that we support and work with, and we asked them if they'd want to be in a big showcase concert with us, which was a blast because then we got to go from arts training to to arts performance mm -hmm. and take what they were learning in the classroom and let's see it really come to life in front of an audience. Because like we talked about on this conversation a few minutes ago, the listener, the audience is 50% of the art when you're making something. Right. So we needed to get our kids in front of a big, big audience and give them a big deal. So that's what we've been up to, um, helping fund some programs and along the way, give them some great performance opportunities. How super cool to use your sphere of influence to make that happen in a once-in-a-lifetime experience, you know, for kids. That's really cool. Yeah. So uh, before I let you go, Jason, would you, and I kind of feel like you just told me one, but I'm wondering if you have a favorite kindness story that you would share with us. I'm just wondering if there's a time when someone did or said something to you or you did and said something to somebody else that just really stuck with you that just mattered mm, there are so many by the way you just reminded me that my stepfather would say the word kindness like a verb he would say can you do me a kindness right now oh. um, is that a verb is that what it is it maybe? is if you use it like but, that yep um, <laughs> oh no that'd be a noun yeah, can you, do, can me you a do me a kindness yeah it'd be a noun or maybe a helping verb i'm not sure i don't know but he would he would say that word. Can you do me a kindness? And I I always liked that. It was right away he basically drew a circle on the ground. He says, "Hey, will you step in that circle for me?" Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I'm gonna go really far back because when my career started and I'm a starving artist, it was the kindness of friends. I mean, practically strangers who would give me a good quality of life, who would just help me feel seen or heard or fed. Mm. to basically say, I see what you're doing and I, I think you're good at it and I want you to succeed. So what can I offer you to, can I, do you need dinner? Can I take you to a movie? You need a place to stay? Do you need a car to drive? So I had a number of friends 
20 years ago that saw me on this journey, sort of just trying to break into the scene, uh, just me with guitar on my back, showing up at coffee shops. And I had a, a friend, Karina, who I believe I met at the coffee shops. And she worked from home and unfortunately had um, an illness she was dealing with, not, not fatal, not terminal, but, but a chronic illness that, that caused her to work from home. And so she didn't use her car very much. And she offered over and over again to let me use her car. And it was a very small act. I know it's, I don't know, I'm, it's strange I'm talking about a material thing such as a car, but I'm not. I'm really talking about Karina. Mm-hmm. And that gift allowed me to get to my gigs, to grocery stores, to, to have a bit of not just starving artist waiting for an opportunity, but, you know, a, excuse me, mobility. Right. And it really did help. It it was a it was for probably a year. You know, she didn't sign the car over to me or anything, but it was a constant use and offering of how can I help you? Do you need to use my car? And at a time when I was really struggling to get going, she was a stranger that mm-hmm. showed up and said, I see you, I wanna help you. I don't drive very often. Do you need to use my car? And a friendship was formed out of that. I haven't, honestly, I haven't thought about it in years, but I occasionally run into Karina. She moved up to Oregon and I occasionally run into her when I'm touring. And I'm always so grateful for that. Just little random act of kindness. I know it's a lot. She gave me a car to use, but she didn't have to. Right. You know, she would just chuck her keys at me and, there were a number of friends in that era who did similar kindnesses. They didn't have to. I was a stranger to San Diego, and yet they continued to cheer me on and give me these small resources that helped me build my life, my mm-hmm. career. I could go on. There's every single person on my journey has offered some version of a resource to me mm-hmm. that helped me get to where I'm at. Uh, but right now, I'm spending my time thinking of Karina, so I really appreciate you uh, asking me that because I haven't thought of her in a while. So, hi Karina, if you're tuning in, hi, thank Karina. you so very much for mm-hmm. your your love. Thank you so much for your love and kindness. I hate to put people on the spot, and yet I love to put people on the spot because generally something comes up that they haven't thought of in a long, long, long time. And I think that what you just said really resonates with um, people that you know, what she may have been, you know, handing over the car keys, but, but she was breathing life into you. And she was, you know, helping you continue to cast a vision for your life and say, this is, you know, I believe in you. And I, I feel like that's such a great way we can love each other is just to, in our own little way, day by day, say, I believe in you. And Jason, you doing this interview with me said to me, I believe in you. So thank you for that today. Thank you so much for your time and joining us on the podcast. Uh, thank you, Nicole. I do believe in you, and I appreciate this time we've had. This has been, been a beautiful way to start my day. Yes. Now, enjoy the avocado farm and understand as you eat one today that we do not have fresh avocados in South Dakota. So <laughs> I understand. Enjoy it. I will. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. And uh, best wishes to you as you continue uh, with your launch 
of Look for the Good. It's going to be amazing. I appreciate that. It is. I feel good about it. You can connect with Jason all over social media and on his website at jasonmoraz.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. 